OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. So we're already there. So our introductions are going to all happen right now and in top of uh, uh, top of the hour almost, but very exciting to have you here today, Bandana. And what I'm going to share or what I'd love you to share is if you can give us a little bit of a background on your past. I know you just shared a little bit, but a little bit more on your background, on your past, something that you're kind of working on today. And then one thing about you that nobody will know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, firstly, I'm very thankful and grateful uh, to you for having me here. It's a pleasure to be with you on this podcast today. And uh, uh, so I was born and brought up in Delhi, uh, in India. I'll just start from very start. I did my schooling in Delhi, did my college from Mumbai. Uh, went into uh, investment banking for some time. Then um, I moved to Singapore and Jakarta. I got married there. Mm, while I was uh, working for my own family office, I had two kids, uh, one girl, one boy. Uh, we came back to India seven years back. Uh, and uh, it's really awesome to be back to our own country, to connect with our own people. And the uh, uh, journey so far, uh, so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to work under anybody. <laughs> I never felt comfortable doing that. So uh, that's what got me into investment banking. And I love to learn about different kinds of startups in different geographies, different sectors. Uh, it's a passion, you can see. Amazing. Uh, and one thing that nobody knows about me is that uh, I, deep down at heart, I'm a very soft-hearted person. I believe in human values, uh, too human at times. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. But uh, uh, on the outer, nobody knows that. But on the inside, that's the truth. <laughs> Well, there's, uh, you've got a tough and a soft layer. So those are good things and they're great qualities to have. So I would not think that's a bad thing whatsoever. Being human is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on, on the outer, I'm a tough person, like a business person. But on the inside, there's a, a you know, very soft person that believes in humanity. I love it. No, and that's a good thing. I wholeheartedly support that. Thank so you. So kudos for you and... Great that you're showing it. Uh, so I want to kind of take a little bit step back and from all the great things that you've done through uh, the different talks and all these um, online forums and all the things from events. And you've done a lot of things in the space, which is kudos to you, which is amazing. Um, yeah. But to take a little bit step back to kind of the area I want to explore with you is uh, your kind of travels and working abroad. You're working in a different culture. You're working in a different country. And I think this carries a lot of value to startups, to investors, because you've kind of done something that most people don't normally get the opportunity to do, which is pick up, leave, and then come back and experience something that you haven't been maybe in 15 years. But um, in the banking side and, and all of the background that you had when you were working abroad, can you kind of share a little bit more about that experience and, and how that worked for you to see 
a different culture? And, and did you see from that entrepreneurial brain, were you able to define different problems that you may have been able to push back to India and say, hey, I'm seeing this quite a bit here. And I remember this happening in India and you're texting people back home saying, hey, we need to solve this problem. When you were when you were in this culture, did you start to define new problems that you wanted to solve? And being part of the banking system, I find bankers are 100% really equipped and zoned into entrepreneurship. I think they get it from a financial standpoint. They understand what startups are going through. So just taking that experience that being in another country, were there things that really stood out to you uh, in Jakarta, Indonesia, inside of there that you really could put your thumb on and thought, you know what, there's some opportunity here and what did it teach you? Uh, I learned my greatest lessons there because uh, as you might understand that Jakarta is a Muslim dominated uh, place. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the first day I had the shock of my life because I didn't know like, you know, they were speaking a different language, there were different food, uh, and the culture was totally different, even the work style, even the timings. We start at typically 9.30, 10, they start at 8 o'clock. Their lunch break is at 12, our lunch break would be at 1. Uh, they end by uh, 5 or 6, and we, we would keep going on in India till 10 or 11. So it was a, a bit of a setback there to me. Uh, I like the way they were advanced in technology. They were advanced in uh, a lot many things where India needed um, help with. But in terms of uh, women inclusion, they were not advanced because typically they believe in dominating the women there. Uh, so that was a different uh, thing. But in Singapore, uh, it is totally free uh, place. The laws are very open-minded, people are open-minded. It's a safe place for women as well. So there was a lot more to learn from Singapore. And I wanted to bring back, uh, you know, like Singapore is very uh, free country. We can do cryptocurrencies, blockchains, um, and a lot many things. There is, uh, you know, many Indian companies, um, their holding companies are in Singapore because of taxes issues and also, I think that was really, uh, you know, that interested me. So I uh, then when I got back to India, there was an, another cultural difference here because uh, here I had to like take a while to understand back into, you know, uh, because I had come back after many years as to what has changed and what is new and what is trendy over here and how to talk to people over here. Um, and, you know, so that was different. But here, multicultural uh, you know, so then I gave a lot of talks where I met people from UK, USA, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, Singapore, Dubai, Hong Kong. Then I learned about more cultures while I gave talks. So I I opened up more and I and started to understand deeper that okay, this is how it is. Uh, also, I dealt with people in Japan, so Nigeria. So that was uh, you know. So I learned about almost all cultures and tried to pick up the good from there. But that was uh, the, you know, the only thing uh, about Jakarta was that it was too, uh, uh, you know, it was not involving the women there. And, you know, they have these break times uh, during the month of Eid where, uh, you know, so 
uh, our teammates, uh, especially the workers, would you know uh, continuously use that as making an excuse for not working. So they need to pray five times a day. They need to have their break. They need to have this that. So we had to really respect that because, like uh, you know, it's their culture that we had to respect. So that was like you know we had to really push them to work. Look, it's work. But then every time they had to go for their breaks and all that. So there are a lot of breaks there. In India, everybody is workaholic, like all the time working, working. So it's a bit of a, a mind, a kind of a mind shift that you're going from somewhere where work is secondary to culture to where work in India is kind of inept to survival. So it's yeah. number one and culture is yeah. there, but it's almost secondary to somewhere in Singapore or in Jakarta where uh, everything else becomes number one and work is kind of a subset and it's not so much deemed as survival. Um, Maybe that's population density or whatever the case may be, but it's, it's obviously a bit of a shift because you're going in there to work hard and you're kind of looking at people thinking, okay, well, you've already done your siesta. Is there some time now for work or what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so uh, the kids, my kids also, uh, they were born there. They went into an IB school there from the very beginning. When we came back to India, they went to CBSE schools where they didn't find like-minded kids. Until we found a school that was uh, giving IGCSE curriculum and they found the like-minded kids there. So now they are very happy since the past three years. But it took us, it took them time as well to really get into the system of India. Yeah. It's interesting that um, (laughs) you share that because from a startup perspective, when they're selling products globally or they're working into getting into a a new culture, I think a lot of the times they don't realize that different areas um, have been built up differently. In the case of your, your kids, they were used to a certain structure on how they were learning and growing versus how the other mainstream maybe areas were being focused. So then when you had to kind of build out of that, you had to market differently. You had to go to market a different way uh, just so that your kids could have access to that same form of education or the same type of people they were looking for. So just as yourself, you probably migrated to a different uh, subset inside of Jakarta, which were people that may have been more driven by work and less driven by uh, all of the cultural norms that were going on in Jakarta because yeah. you were built a different way. So it's interesting that a lot of times when startups build products, they don't always solve the problem of uh, the right problem. They're trying to solve this generalized problem. And sometimes that generalized problem might not be the right thing to do. So have you taken that kind of learning that you've had when you're working with a startup and if you try to enable them by sharing, hey, your marketing and the way you're going to uh, sell your product has to be different uh, it has to be really refined because there are subsets in a big culture and you want to go after those uniqueness so that you can win. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always tell all my startups a few basic things and what they are doing wrong, what they need to correct. I mean, if I wouldn't just pick up a mandate, uh, you know, if I have a disconnect in something and I want to suggest something, I will say, look, this is how it's going to be done. And I'm going to do it this way. So 
you wanted my way then or you want uh, me to get uh, you know get your stuff done then you have to follow me <laughs> so i would make that clear otherwise i would just drop it uh so that many startups do uh sticking to a valuation and boxing themselves in not having the right kind of pitch deck uh not having a video pitch not being able to market to the right audience uh as well so a small example is that i had to actually explain the teachers in india the background of my children and i said look they don't know rote learning they don't know they only understand things and do so even if it's maths you have to make them understand and then they will outshine so when i told this to teachers and the teachers understood then everything started matching everything started happening and children started doing better in studies same way i tell my startups this is what you're doing wrong this is what you need to change this is what needs to happen and this is how it's going to be so if they really want the way i'm suggesting they come along with me otherwise uh, we just call it off there and there oh that makes sense so when you're i i guess well, if we take a little bit step back how much of your background influenced you to get into working with startups did a lot of that banking background and understanding of the numbers and understanding of different spaces you're you're shifting to different cultures how much of that influence really helped you uh in assessing companies and deciding if you want to work with them a lot uh, i do my due diligence on each startup i find out about the founder's background i look into the company in details uh you know i see what technology they are building uh so i would just i wouldn't just pick up anything like that i would do my due diligence as to what is coming and from where it's coming uh it's the same way uh everybody does due diligence on me also before they give me the mandate so it's a fair thing no and that makes sense uh from uh, again on your background in the technology space um what areas did you focus on in your earlier years and is there a certain subset that you look for now today when you're working with companies uh in India and I don't know if you still diversify and work in other uh Asian countries but when you are looking at them what types of things do you look for from a techno techno technology standpoint so in my initial years uh when technology was uh not so much in uh you know we had more fashion startups more e-commerce startups uh uh you know simple food startups uh, that would come now it is more fintech health tech agri tech deep tech edutech uh, you know uh, food tech ai robotics uh, you know we never had alexa before as you might know so there's a lot of uh, technology change we didn't have zoom meetings like this we had to carry bags and go to events and go for meetings on one to one there was no uh, technology that we could just interact with so now i'm able to finish 20 meetings in a day when uh, previously we just carry bags and have two or three meetings per day uh, so um, again a change there so i have to continuously be progressive proactive in changing myself as per the technology which enables you to keep changing yourself with the customers or with the startups because you're yeah. enabling yourself to change which means you're enabling them to change as well so you're adapting and 
changing to their new techs that they're bringing in and seeing how they'll work in the country, in your country or other countries at the same fashion? Yeah. So, for example, when demonetization came in India, uh, people were skeptical to use digital payments like Paytm, Google Pay, etc. But when they were forced to, everybody learned it. And even the vegetable vendor, the milkman now uses digital payments. Similarly, when the uh, COVID had hit us, uh, prior to that way before Zoom was there, but uh, people were not comfortable using Zoom. And, uh, you know, when they were forced to use these platforms, Zoom, MS Meetings, uh, you know, AirMeet, StreamYard, then automatically they learned it and they changed. And I had seen people struggling with Zoom during COVID, especially school teachers who never knew how to teach online. So uh, I think uh, it's very important to be progressive and keep changing as and when. Uh, now deals close online. Everything happens online. International events like these happen online. Uh, I do a lot of talk shows on uh, UK TV, which happens from all over the world. People come on there and, you know, we have uh, this one hour of talk on different topics. So I think things have drastically changed. Let's help us to connect to people better, help us to save a lot of time. and. Uh, so I think it's really important to keep changing <laughs> and being trendy. I completely agree with you. Hopefully it's, uh, it becomes more of a pattern, not a trend, right? We want things to stay kind of working in the same fashion because, as you mentioned, you went from taking three meetings a day to 20 meetings a day. So you've yeah. become way more efficient, which means you're doing a lot more and technology has enabled you to do a lot more. Of course. Uh, Last year, I closed four deals because I was locked at home and I could do things online. I mean, this year has been really uh, cool for me. Um, prior to that, I, I was like getting frustrated because of the travel, uh, you know, managing time, kids, home, everything. And, you know, not able to accomplish so much, which I can do just easily by sitting on a chair. <laughs> Well, no one's going to complain about that. So in in your experiences that you've had in the last couple of years, um, specifically because you've been working more with the startups, um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, are there are a few things that you recommend for startups to look at doing, especially if they're going into new merging markets or different cultures or new countries? Are there things that you would advise your startups to look for or do differently? it would allow for them to be more successful. And maybe that's, you know, if, if you're going to be in Toronto, Canada, and you're going to be investing in India, uh, you know, a startup in India, do you recommend going on site and being in moving to India if you're going to build a company there? Like what types of things do you recommend to your startups uh, and to startups in general on things that they can pay attention to when building a company? So, uh, you know, my first and foremost suggestion to all startups is get your pitch deck done by a professional. Uh, it's very, very important. Invest in a proper pitch deck. Invest in a proper financial model and valuation uh, that stays with you in the long run. Uh, you know, uh, invest in having a CFO, an advisor on board, having an investment banker on board who have good relationships with the investors, have a complementary team, a marketing team, an operations team, 
uh, you know, technology team because, of course, the CEO cannot do almost everything and might not might not have the skills. Like I may be having the financial skills, but somebody else might be having the operation skills or marketing skills. And understand, uh, like uh, each country has their own way of doing things. So, firstly, blend into you know the culture as to what is it that they are more uh, you know good at or more comfortable with. Then, once that is happening, then I think uh, they would understand that what are the sectors a particular country looks into, uh, whether it's India or abroad. And I would said, you know, I would want investors from abroad to invest in India because they're very good uh, technology uh, in India. There's a lot of talent here. It's just that, uh, you know, the sometimes the politics plays a lot of role here and the government and hence everything backfires. But if you look at it, there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of scope here. There's a lot of technology here. Uh, so there are very good healthcare startups that have come in here. So I think, uh, you know, the talent is there, but they need the support system. They might need a good technology from Silicon Valley. They might need good investments there, good accelerators, incubators that help us grow better. I love that. And the, and you're, you're, I love what you're sharing around uh, complementary because, and, I, and it just will define complementary, is that it, they don't have to be immediately in the team. They need to be some sort of contracted version of marketing or operations, whatever that might be. But as you mentioned, bring in the key people to run and operate your business. And then complementary people can be outside vendors or outside partners or outside contractors that you can eventually bring into your business. Is, is that a fair saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to do a small bit yourself, like have a WhatsApp story about your business, have a Facebook story, have a LinkedIn story always. Go on LinkedIn, make your page better, make your website better. These basics, uh, you know, connect with people, like talk about business. Uh, so I recommend all startups that, you know, instead of having a lot of family photos and celebrations and, you know, uh, food photos, have photos about your business, testimonials about your clients, because that will bring them the earnings. I mean, I'm not against anybody sharing family pictures, but it's just that if you want to run your business better, you could do these small marketing things that will. So I get a lot of business if I just share one WhatsApp status and I get over uh, 300 to 400 people that see my status and then start pinging. So I think that's really worked well for me, even a LinkedIn story or Twitter story. Instagram, I'm still learning because it's too trendy and youngster type, you know. <laughs> so I'm learning from my kids. How oh, that's that. good. No, you're, you're, I like that. You're very um, direct in the sense that if you want to have people understand your business and see what you do, you have to feed the system and you have to get it out there so that that message will tailor to them and get them interested. And again, this is when you're building your company, you're early on, you have, um, refined amount of dollars and resources so you can figure out how you tie in the right people at the beginning and bring in the right resources on on that contract side and build them into the business in time and do the right things that will support the business from 
social marketing and, and the things that are going to benefit your business, uh, which are obviously all great things to share. And, and thank you for that. Um, now, when it does come up to the, the raising funds, do you have any recommendations on one, how they should go to the market to raise funds? And I know it's going to be a little bit different in India that it will be in Jakarta, that it will be in the US, that it will be in Canada. Yeah. But are there some key points that you'll recommend that will help you increase the uh, the value of your fund, like how much dollars you can increase? And then is there anything that can really de-risk the business enough so that investors will, like yourself will have an interest to want to invest in them? Yeah, of course. Uh, have a proper good pitch deck made by a professional. Have a video pitch deck that works well all over the world. You have a good product video as well that explains because sometimes uh, emails and uh, you know written stuff doesn't explain what you want to uh, you know convey. So uh, if you look at uh, schools in abroad, they make the children learn by visuals. Uh, you know, so I think visuals also helps investors to understand your idea better, know you better because you're talking and explaining and pitching your idea. So have a video pitch deck uh, that's really comes out as professional. Um, have the uh, right kind of investment bankers in your team who have the direct relationships with the investors, reaching out to the right kind of investors, checking their website knowing their thesis way beforehand. So you're not wasting their time and your own time by, you know, if you're a food startup, you're reaching to somebody who's an investor who's doing deep tech, naturally it will clash. So many startups make that mistake. They don't look up the website. They don't understand the thesis. They do a lot of cold calling. So relationship matters in investments a lot. And if you have the relationship with the investor, you get a lot of value add. Uh, and also not to box yourself in by giving in a valuation at the first place. Uh, you know, leave it open, I would suggest. Let the investor speak uh, what valuation they want to give. Then we can always negotiate across the table. Uh, what many founders do is, which I've seen, they just, uh, you know, very fix-headed on the valuation and they announce it way beforehand and then they leave no room to discuss. So I think that gives them a real big fallback there. Many founders uh, want to burn the investor's money. It is the investor's hard-earned money as well. Uh, it should be uh, like, you know, they should have that confidence that you're going to multiply and they're going to get returns from that. Not that you're going to burn it. So we have cases of two founders. One founder bought a car uh, from the investments he got. The other one treated cancer. So uh, I think that is really unethical. There has to be some moral values there. So that shouldn't be the practice. It's not for burning. You know, it's for, uh, you know, you're getting that for multiplying it and, you know, uh, you know, increasing the worth of your company. So I think that's really important. Uh, basically, all over the world, these basic things uh, should be practiced um, and rest, uh, follow the country better. Like in Silicon Valley, uh, it's uh, in a different fashion, how things are done. In India, it's a bit different. So I think some basics uh, need to be followed here. 
Wow, I totally agree with that. And I'm shocked to hear that somebody bought a car, but uh, then I'm not shocked. I guess I'm not too surprised, but it does sound like that's uh, it does occur. And I think that goes back to that governance side. So how do you ensure that when you invest in a company that they really understand how governance works, what the dollars are used for? And you know, in past interview, um, one of the great things that came up was that they they literally shared that, you know, as soon as you start raising funds that are outside friends and family, you need to build a board, you need to build some sort of governance that will help protect and help those founders find ways to grow their business and have somebody to bounce ideas off of and really jump in there from a senior level experience side of things. And this would also layer in that governance early on so that you aren't having uh, founders going out and buying cars on the funds that are coming in to grow their business. So unless the company owns the car, which I'm not too sure of too many companies that need that right away, but uh, I think that's a great, great point and makes a big difference. Yeah, so if you have a CFO, a financial officer in your company, give him the task to manage the money, then there are less chances that you will burn. Take advices of your investors from time to time. Don't make decisions on your own. Take their advice, go along with them because they bring along with them a marketing team, a technology team. They open their network. When you're going to have a fallback, they will uh, you know, make sure that they are behind the back and you won't fall. Uh, so I think that's really important. Uh, uh, you know, If you cannot manage the money yourself, have somebody else appointed at a senior level with donkey years of experience to manage your money. Mm. So, you know, you'll be careful in that uh, and you'll not go out of control. So that's the thing. And, uh, uh, you know, youngsters do this a lot. Experienced people do this less because they already have learned their lessons. Uh, so <laughs> I think somebody needs to just guide them well and educate them as to what investments are. It's also somebody else's hard-earned money. It's also uh, that they... Uh, see the potential in you. That is why they are investing. And, uh, you know, it's about trust. And we have our agreements in order to pull them up and all. So, but then still we have cases like these. <laughs> they, they, uh, they do happen. And unfortunately, uh, I'm sure we could do some battle stories on that, on uh, sharing different um, wow moments that you can't believe what you just heard. But I completely agree. And I, I think the governance comes from having even if it's a part-time CFO to start, but somebody that can help you govern and help you understand better financials. Uh, and I, I agree that that goes all the way through the business and helps you as a founder grow and do the right things. Um, where have you found that you know, in this time again, uh, is there other options for founders if they are having a tough time raising that first round? Yeah, uh, family, friends, relatives, their own network. Uh, they should always try to uh, invest their own, some amount of their own fund to understand the feel of it. Uh, and, you know, then I think uh, there are always ways and bootstrapping, of course. So if you're not getting funded, go and start bootstrapping as much as you can. And then again, look for investments. So I think that's one way. There's a, when you fund it yourself, you appreciate money more. 
And you're yeah. also de-risking it for the next investors that come in because they'll see that you've put a lot of your own capital into supporting the growth and opportunity that you've created. Yeah. And you understand that what it feels like to do some investment and you understand the nitty gritties of it, then there are less chances that things will fail. You know, I feel that it's important. So many youngsters come to me and I tell them that, look, complete your education, do a job, earn the money, make your savings, then put it in your own startup. Then you will know that what it is like. Well, you don't want to lose your own money, right? So you'll probably be more cautious <laughs> along the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good. Very good advice. Uh, maybe just some technical side of things, but when they are raising their rounds, uh, do you have a requirement of how much they should look to raise in the first, second rounds or just specifically in their to get their feet wet? Should they go in and try and raise a lot of money and spend six months doing it? Or should they raise a little bit of money, work with it, build the product, get it to market and just keep raising what they need instead and kind of time it along the way? So for each startup, it's different. There is no fixed figure as to it has to be this much or that much. Every Each and every startup, uh, the planning is different. The audience is different. The technology is different. So it depends on startup to startup. Uh, we uh, It's better that they have um, you know, the first set of uh, money, either self-funded or from a relative or from a family member or from somebody from their own network, a senior person, an angel investor. And then once they have bootstrapped, they have, uh, you know, shown that they have multiplied that money, then they can get it from a very good VC, PE, and not uh, many more people uh, in the industry. So I think there's no fixed figure as to, and again, it depends on what stage the startup is, uh, how much, uh, you know, what is their planning. We have to look deep inside. I like that. And is there any success factors that you look for when you're making an investment into a company? Do you set them up on KPIs that they need to deliver these things in order to get your all your money? Or do you have criteria that you're looking for when making an investment that says that I will invest if you have done a uh, thousand rupees of sale and I will come into your company? Do you have any minimal requirements that you look for when making an investment? Yeah, uh, we do look at the founder's background. We do do our uh, ref checks on that. We do look up the technology. We do see if there is... Uh, you know, what revenue the company has made and where it stands and what scope they have. Only then we uh, move forward. Even if we pick up the mandate as an investment banker, we do look into these things. If you're investing also, we look into these things. Uh, we do uh, look into women founders uh, as well. But again, it all depends on who has the greater talent. So talent is, is uh, sounds like it's very important. Very, very important. <laughs> I agree with that. Talent does matter. Uh, uh, is there any, I guess, pitfalls that you would bring up that you would say, uh, as a founder, look out for these three things and uh, you will have a better chance of success? Yeah. The founder should be very, very humble and down to earth. When I say humble, 
I don't mean that the founder has to be submissive. Uh, humble means down to earth, but firm as to what your uh, principles are to that. Uh, I think uh, that uh, and the drive to run your company, how much drive you have, what is what is it that is driving you from inside? And, uh, you know, are you an achiever? And what is it that you're going to, uh, you know, how much you've achieved so far? I think these a few things investor also looks at. Do you have a vision? Do you have a goal uh, as to where you want to reach five years down the line? All these things uh, investors do look at and only then they invest into um, a startup and of course, like I mentioned before, the background, the technology, if it's a disruptive technology that can do wonders uh, and solve a lot of problems globally, why not have it? I like that. Uh, have and drive, show your achievements and make sure you have some sort of plan that builds in goals so that you can accomplish them and show that you can make more accomplishments. Yeah, and you know, I uh, typically, uh, uh, disagree with founders who use the word hope and need and you know so I like that they're more confident and say I can do it I love that <laughs> I do the same thing they'll say I hope I'm going to do this I'm like what do you mean you hope you're going yeah. to do this I didn't invest in you to hope you're going to make yeah. something happen that's the hope that's gone yeah. it's due you're going to do this yeah so I like uh, you know those kind of founders direct mindset i call these founders psychotic i like to invest in psychotic founders it's the wrong term but it just puts the emphasis on the fact that they are so passionate so driven get the market they pivot on an instance because they are so in tune with what they're doing that they refuse yeah. to screw up and fail that they will just keep pivoting and doing the right things to get where they need to be psychotic not only that they have the right set of team it's important, uh, you know, founders, if they don't have, if the founder might be a really great person, but if he doesn't have, he or she, the right kind of team that is complementing, then of course, uh, you know, a complementing team is really important. It could be from all parts of the globe, a good CFO, a good operations team, a good marketing team, a good technology team, somebody good in HR, uh, you know, so I think that combines uh, the entire thing because one person might not have all the skills, uh, you know, and I'm sure that we are all not born like perfect, you know, we lack some skills. So we need to have other people who have those skills and, okay, I, you know, get into the system and all of them must have a drive. <laughs> then I think it really works wonders. I like that. And I, and I do agree that we all lack certain skills, certain abilities, certain execution. And if you can bring the right people in to fill those gaps, uh, you will bring those right people in that uh, you can build out a great team and a great ecosystem to build and grow in that space. So I think that is all very valuable information. And, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I would like to kind of pivot a little bit into um, one, one kind of story that you may have, and it just shows what an entrepreneur will be like, what they'll go through. It's kind of one of those heartfelt stories. So something that just pops in your mind from all of the years that you've been working with startups, is there a story that you can share that really defines what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Is there something that just pops in your mind of how this female founder you're working with 
and just overcame all the obstacles and is crushing it in the market or something like that. Just looking for a, a story that really will get our community excited about uh, wanting to become a, an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, so an entrepreneur, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur requires perseverance, patience, and the, uh, you know, your mind should be totally calm and centered. That's why I recommend all founders to read the book Power of the Subconscious Mind. It helps you to remain centered. It helps you to deeply connect with your subconscious mind. Um, and then you hit, uh, you know, the right areas and achieve the right stuff because you get that inner guidance. So we had a startup which we did investments for one and a half years we got him three investors. He worked really hard. It was a fintech startup. Nobody believed in him and I believed. And I said, look, I'm going to do this for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got him three term sheets. We gave him a DD list way beforehand. Uh, you know, we told him you need to have these documents in order. And, um, you know, he didn't have the documents in order. His DD failed and we told him, you need to correct the DD. Uh, you know, we're going to help you out to correct it. But he still didn't listen. So all the fun guys backed out. So that whole hard work of one and a half years got wasted. But that founder didn't give up <laughs> and started looking for funds again. So I like that, you know, like, uh, though he messed it up with a lot many places, but then he, he said, no, we're going to do it again. You know, I mean, like somebody who has uh, gone through all those meetings, you know, heard so much about uh, with the investors. The investors were fighting which one would be the lead investor. And then again, having that, you know, no, we're going to do it again. <laughs> so <laughs> that was like, I'm like, okay, I get it. And, and did I it work? Like it worked. It worked. Awesome. Uh, and I just would like to share my own story, I think, um, because that is the one that I can relate to. The fact that I reached here is because I never gave up. I had a lot of obstacles, being a woman, being a mother of two kids, uh, you know, uh, had to manage a lot of things. The fact that I didn't give up and I believed in myself, uh, I think that got me here. And I really didn't care who thinks what. So I wouldn't give a damn about it. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, you know, like I, I think uh, so I was able to manage almost everything. It was not an easy journey. Uh, uh, there were, uh, you know, times when I would just, you know, sit and think now what? But then, like I said, I, you know, because I remained centered, calm and I connected keep connecting myself with my subconscious mind and I, uh, each time I could do things better and better. I did my yogas on time. Uh, I did my morning exercises. So I think it's very important to have a healthy mind and uh, protect your mental energy. If you protect your mental energy, nothing affects you then it's only you and your productivity. So I think it's very important for everybody, whether it's a woman, whether it's a male, uh, to have that thing to how to protect your mental energy. That's really important and one should really value that. 
because money uh you know work life goes on but if your mental energy is not in order then that's it you know you've lost the battle right there and it's not that people try to put me down um you know uh there was a point in time when uh you know your own family members are not with you it's just you yourself so i think i just uh, um had those moments but i remained calm and now everybody came back friends family once you become successful i guess things change amazing <laughs> that's a great story well both of them are great stories but yeah. i appreciate that because you showed both sides of your hard exterior and your soft interior so very well done and i appreciate you sharing yeah. that thank you that was great and i wholeheartedly agree you're going to go through ups and downs as an individual as a business as an investor as a founder and uh, some people will be with you some people you'll lose along the way and other people will come back but if you have a well balanced self being that you're going to persevere and you believe in yourself that's what's going to help you keep moving forward um and i think that comes from that inner belief and there'll be a time where everybody will support you and hopefully it's the whole time but if it happens to be at the end when you are more successful well then just make sure you do know who your friends and family are but again keep your head up and always believe in yourself yeah and you know there were times when people told me you can't do it and you're a woman you can't do it and what are you doing you know i mean this industry is for men and i said no i'm going to do it i love it <laughs> so i did it and you know it's quite amazing the talks that i give on uk tv uh many times i'm the only female and i find it really funny but it's just there so uh you know so i've got used to it uh, and uh, because i didn't give up because i stayed strong uh you know uh you have your own moments and so i could nail it uh, each time and you know when you are alone and when you're protecting your mental energy your mind works really fast uh and you do things much better i feel so i think uh, my children also became independent uh during covid uh my daughter started working for a cake company she was in 10th grade and that cake company had zero revenue my daughter did their website designing my daughter did the instagram page facebook page uh, all the pages got them banners made and their revenue increased three times more so uh, you know she utilized her energy in that manner then i told her look you do my website and she did my website also so it's come out really well so i think uh, we have to once even the children see us they start learning how to be more productive though they were on the other side i was hearing stories of children you know just doing unproductive things on instagram and other stuff when these kids were doing something different so i think that education if we impart to the children from way young ages they do well i agree with that well very well said and uh, very exciting that your daughter is also picking up your skills and becoming a uh, self uh, internalized but also pushing outwards and growing and learning which is very exciting so kudos because she's learning from a great person and you've done a lot of great things and i'm glad that you stuck to your guns and push forward and kick those people out of your life that told you you couldn't do something because i can't stand those people 
But at the same time, as much as we may not stand them, they're the fuel that drive you forward because they're the ones that help you. So the more I, you can't do this, the better, but they don't need to be in your life, but they needed to come in to say that because that's what drove you to where you are. So I'm glad that they were there to say it because that's who made you are today. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's absolutely positive. And thanks I love for it. <laughs> All right. Well, those are some great stories and wholeheartedly appreciate that. I think that you bring a lot of great emotion to the conversation, which is amazing. Thank you. Um, that's a very good share. Uh, okay. We're going to transition just into the rapid fire questions. Is that good? Perfect. You ready good. for those? All right. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite part of investing? Favorite part of investing, I love pitch tech making. So I think, uh, you know, I get so involved in it. I want to look into it uh, each slide. I think that's my favorite part. And of course, fun hitting the accounts and I'm getting my fees and everybody being happy. <laughs> I think these two parts are really favorite. Perfect. Um, what got you started in investing in startups? What was the story that made you decide to invest in a startup? I wanted to do, uh, you know, women, uh, typically they were very few investors in those days. Now there are many more. And it was believed that women cannot manage money. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I would feel very uncomfortable about this because they can actually do a lot more better and manage money better. So I just wanted to prove that, look, we can do it. So I think uh, that kicked me inside each day. And each time I got a negative comment, it kicked me more. <laughs> so it just, uh, you know, I said, okay. So uh, if somebody said a negative comment, I would say, okay. And one year after that, I would just prove myself. Look, I proved you wrong. So that would like really shake them up. But it was like, I would just take it as a game, you know. I like it. <laughs> I, I think that it must have been males that were going around and telling people that women couldn't do finance because majority of the world is run by women in finance. Like literally the percentage is something like 73% of finance is run by women. So I think it was just guys fe feeling insecure, sharing stupid dreams that they thought that they weren't good at money. I think women are way better at money and more trustworthy than men are. So I'm just sharing that. Uh, hopefully that supports the drive uh, that you had because I think it's a good drive. No, it was not only men. Uh, there were females also, uh, you know. Uh, so they were both, both of them. Because, uh, so, you know, I wouldn't say, uh, I didn't want to do the typical woman thing, you know, cooking or, you know, like even my daughter played soccer. I didn't want that difference between pink and blue. You know, I found it really odd. Uh, so uh, I think uh, I just wanted everybody to be equal and, you know, being able to get that chance, uh, whether it's a male or a female. So I think that that was the drive that was more inside that, look, uh, you know, we can all, it's not that women are meant for kitchen or, you know, for mothering or it's like, Everybody should be able to do everything. I mean, if I have to change the wheel of a car, I should be able to do it. I mean, I should not think, oh, it's a man's job, you know. So 
similarly if a male can uh, should be able to cook or you know take care of the kids as well so i think that is really important though we stay in a really modern world whether it's abroad or in india there is certain uh, kind of uh, uh, at the back of the mind that's always that different uh, you know that different thinking that this work is for them and this work is for us uh, it's all over the world it's even in america i've seen it. oh you have three kids can you do this uh, so the you know they would ask these ladies and you know so i think it's everywhere it's not just so that breaks the confidence uh, and that is when many women they just you know back off and they leave their corporate jobs they do funny things i mean they leave their talents but i think if they stick to their talents and prove it while they are managing the family i think that's when they have actually won the battle well we all own the right to coexist it doesn't matter who you are what your uh culture is what your color is we all belong and we all deserve an opportunity and i think we need to understand what each other's strengths are and what our weaknesses are and we yeah. should be able to work on our strengths and allow other people to support us on our weaknesses but we're all in this together and i think a lot of people forget that uh there's a fear of somebody doing more than you or having more than your bigger house or a bigger car or whatever it might be and i i think it's uh it's the wrong mentality and i think we should all figure out how we can just all coexist and help support each other on the things that we're not good at and support the things that we are good at and i think that allows us all to find the right spot to be in and if you want to cook or you want to run a billion dollar company or a trillion dollar fund and if you're a female or you're a, a woman of color i think all of these things work and you can do whatever you want and your mind should drive it cuz the best person will drive forward and support you and we should just allow for all these great things to happen because that's what's going to allow innovation to take over the world versus putting ourselves in boxes like you said and then we don't expand and we don't grow yeah and we do compare ourselves so i think once we stop comparing and we start we get more productive as well so i think that comparison in our heads have to stop look at now we are in the second wave of the pandemic globally we need to unite with each other eradicate this monster uh, you know monstrous uh, virus that is eating up people from all globally from all the places globally and join hands and come together and uh, you know uh, so i think that would you know once we unite and do things together i think we can do things faster that way i like it It sounds like you and I are on a path for creating a better United Nations to do something that's more impactful for the world than the what we're looking at right today because a lot of things aren't working and they need to change their mindset which I think goes back to your book The Power of the Subconscious Mind. I think we all need to change that and I'm going to read that book. So amazing amazing. I love it. I also do a and uh, uh, I watch a lot of videos on the law of attraction. Um so everything um so uh, it's by robert zink that i watch the law of attraction it's everything is inside us and we can attract good things we all deserve to attract good things it's just that we need to open our subconscious mind and be authentic 
And once that happens and we align ourselves with that, I think things start connecting better. Uh, so I think uh, I would recommend that also because these two things, the power of the subconscious mind and doing a lot of law of attraction, uh, you know, really, really helped me. It's a kind of a quantum computing, you can say, uh, but it really helped me to like really switch 360 degrees, like completely change in every way. So I think uh, that's the thing. Well said. And I've documented this. Very good. Uh, all right. We're going to, we have a couple quick questions and then we're going to the personal side, but uh, we'll, we'll jump through this. Do you have any preferred terms that you like to invest on? Pref shares, common shares, anything that you prefer, or do you just keep it open-ended? Uh, equity investments, we do quite a lot. And uh, sectors that I prefer are health, health tech, food tech, uh, agri-tech, fintech, deep tech. Uh, these are some of the sectors. AI, I love AI. Robotics, IoT, anything related to AI, anything that is disruptive, robotics, I just love it. So I think I would love to invest in that. Okay, awesome. And do you? how many companies do you invest in per year? Right now, we have stopped investing. We are more into advisory. Uh, okay. It's been two years plus, but uh, initially we used to invest in about five companies. In okay, perfect. Well, we hope that starts back up again, uh, but advising is just as valuable. Uh, and do you take board seats? Yeah, we do. Okay, perfect. Okay, we're going we're gonna to jump just because of timing and I want to make sure we keep that in line. I'm going to, yeah. uh, we're going to jump into the personal side. So okay. first question. What is your favorite sports team? My favorite sports team. Uh, I'm not a sports person, but I like cricket a lot. I no. like. Uh, okay, that's good. Thanks. That's good. I'm just curious. <laughs> we always got to find a way to connect to people, so cricket is a good sport. All right. Uh, favorite movie, and what character would you play in the movie? I like Minions. Okay. Uh, because they keep things light and, you know, the message is passed across. And I think I would play uh, the indespicable me, one of the characters, the main characters in that. One <laughs> uh, of the, the minion characters or the... Um, the main one. one. The kids or the, uh, or the, mm. the, um, the what's his name? Groot. Grout? Grout? Groot? Yeah, Grout. Grout. Yeah. He's good. The innovator. <laughs> He's a good dude. I like him. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, okay. The last question. What is your superpower? My superpower is remaining calm at all times. That's my superpower. I like it. I've actually heard this one a few times from a few investors that are, uh, that they are very calm. I like that. It's a good skill. Yeah. And I add humor to everything. So even if I, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I just add humor to it and it just ends there and there. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I like that. That's good. You have to. Well, I'm not very good at humor, so I will choose to not add humor because then no one will get my jokes. So I just choose not to. And I hope someone else can throw in humor. But I do, uh, I do appreciate someone that can break the room with a good joke. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Smiles help too. And you, uh, I think you use that. You're uh, 
your spiritual side uh, is very open. So that's good. Yeah, I do read a Bhagavad Gita also. I forgot to tell you that. Oh. I'm a strong follower of Krishna. Okay. I follow the ISKCON a lot. And um, I think law of attraction matches with the Bhagavad Gita a lot. So when I read that and I, and I do that and I'm like, it's matching. <laughs> so <laughs> I get more excited to do it. So there is a lot of spiritual side to me. Yeah. Deep I like deep. it. You're... I guess overall, you're a very balanced investor. So that is very good. Yeah, very balanced. Risk like taker, it. but a balanced risk taker. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I'm not sure there's many out there, but it's a good, uh, you're cornering the market and a balanced risk taker. That's good. I like it. Well, uh, Vandana, I want to say thank you very much for all your time today. I had a really awesome pleasure of speaking with you. I always say I won't take notes and I probably use the same line, but I did. I took lots of notes. Oh, you can't see them. There you go. Uh, oh. I took lots of notes, even though I can watch the video and listen to the podcast many times. I take notes. I, I'm a big fan. Thank you very much again for all of your time. I've learned a lot and I, and I hope the audience will learn just as much. But the way we like to end the show is I like to leave it with you with the last words. So anything you want to share to entrepreneurs or to investors, I turn it over to you. But again, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm deeply honored. Uh, my last message is just be humble, keep smiling, stay safe, healthy, happy and strong and don't ever give up. And uh, life is really short. So, and, you know, in this pandemic uh, stage that we are, do good stuff and, you know, just keep everyone around you happy because you never know what's going to happen next. So I think that's my message. Uh, I hope it helps anybody who's watching. and. Uh, Let's do a lot more investments uh, this year and, you know, make pandemic uh, show the other side of the pandemic. <laughs> I agree. I like it. Thank you very much again for your time today, Vandana. And I'm going to pause it there, but thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, that was great. I think uh, Vandana brings a lot of one travel across the, the globe working in different spaces being able to offer a, a whole different gambit of skill sets uh, but I do like the fact that she gave some really good feedback on things to prepare for when you are going to raise funds uh, other options to raise funds with and uh, you know just make sure that you've got goals achievements and a drive that's what people are looking for and that's what's going to make that investment a lot easier uh, she provided some great books power of the subconscious mind laws of attraction so very cool. And uh, of course, uh, very well, um, well-based and well-rounded, uh, uh, great conversation. So uh, thank you again for your time today. Like us, share us, uh, add us on all the social platforms, but we look forward to chatting with you more and have a fantastic day and uh, week. Thank you.